0: I want to introduce you to someone. His name is Amos Brown. At the last news break, uh, temporary engineer Michael Miller mentioned the word POT, otherwise known as pot. We dragged out of bed WNUR's technical director, Tim Schoolmaster, who will explain to you the meaning of the word pot. Here he is in 1970, working the graveyard shift with a friend at WNUR. Northwestern's campus radio station.
1: A pot is uh, short for the word potentiometer, which is used to uh, raise and lower the level of uh, stuff we're shoveling out over the air. Uh, when you overpot, it uh, means you're uh, you're a bit high. Um, what well,
0: happens when you underpot?
1: Well, you just don't get as high. You
0: know? This might sound like a typical college radio broadcast, but it's anything but. It's May 10th, 1970, and Northwestern University has been shut down for days. From the Daily Northwestern, I'm Christopher Vasquez. This is NU Declassified, a look into how wildcats thrive and survive at Northwestern. With campus closed right now, we're throwing it back to another time the university shut down. On this day, 50 years ago, a strike against the Vietnam War had just begun. A quick content warning before we get into it, this story contains descriptions of war, death, and police violence. So first up, a quick history lesson. The war is raging on, and protests are unfolding around the globe. Good evening, my fellow Americans. Then, on April 30th, 1970, President Richard Nixon announced he authorized a new phase of the war, the entry of U.S. combat troops into Cambodia. I have concluded that the time has come for action. It didn't go over well. By this time, anti-war demonstrations in the U.S. were nothing new. The Cambodian invasion and Nixon's justification of it just sparked more of them, especially on college campuses. One of them happened at Kent State in Ohio. Tear gas first started down the commons, then the guard moved up on both sides of Taylor Hall and forced the kids off the commons. During that demonstration, National Guard troops opened fire on the student protesters. Nine were injured, four were killed. And all of a sudden, I heard the shooting, and then I saw people dropping to the ground. On
1: that Sunday, I was part of a March for Hunger. I I walked 30 miles, which right now I'm going, what?
0: This is Eva Patterson.
1: In 1970, I was Eva Jefferson.
0: Today, she's a civil rights attorney in Oakland, California. But that spring, she was Northwestern's newly elected student body president.
1: And I can't remember how we learned about the murders at Kent State, but everybody knew.
0: After Kent State, Eva flew to Washington, D.C., where student leaders from around the country met and talked about how to respond. At that point, students were going on strike and shutting down their campuses. And by the time Eva got back to Northwestern, students had followed suit. People were already rallying on Deering Meadow in front of the school's library, and the university had suspended classes for the rest of the week. It was official. Northwestern was on strike.
1: There were a bunch of radical students who had torches who marched to Lunt Hall. Lunt Hall was the place where ROTC, Reserved Officer Training Corps, was housed. I was there and basically said something that in retrospect doesn't make any sense, but it worked at the time. I said, These torches remind me of torches in other places, alluding to Ku Klux Klan torches and the like. Well these students were radical. They certainly were not racist, but that just came to me and they ended up not burning down Lunt Hall. What the Nobody ever talks about that before.
0: This is Eva talking about the strike to a group of Northwestern faculty members. People
1: have just been making assumptions about what the university is. This is the first time people are seriously questioning what's going
0: on. There was no shortage of ways to get involved with the strike. Some students went into Evanston and tried to educate the community about what was happening on campus. Anything really strange or funny happen while you're out there petitioning any particular incidents? Well, <laughs> this wasn't funny.
1: Um, one of the other pamphleteers was in a store, and we were approaching the owners of the stores to take posters in support of the NU strike. While he was talking to the owner of the store, a man who was also on the premises came up and started just yelling and screaming at him, not hmm. just talking about how awful it was that you were dissenting from the government. You've got no right to be anything but a student, far be it from us to question whether we should be soldiers. But and as they discussed it, and the man just kept getting more heated and more heated, and he finally said that he felt that he wished more people had been killed at Kent, as an example, to mm. students, that they could not <laughs> protest, and whereupon he grabbed this young man that he was talking to and threatened his life. Um, the pamphleteer ran out of the store.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that's, uh, you're right, it wasn't particularly funny. Remember Amos Brown? This interview with student leafletters is from the radio station he worked at, WNUR. They were on air with news coverage 24 hours a day, every day, as long as the strike continued. Most of those broadcasts are still in the university archives. Their digitized collection starts on May 8th, the day that students and faculty would vote on whether to continue the strike. We've made ourselves a home here, right? Like this is the free state of Northwestern University.
1: I think it's a very necessary thing. I think. for the strike to continue to show the people that this isn't just something that kids do anytime they're
0: upset. These students were at Deering Meadow, where daily rallies were held. We need the extra
1: time to decide what we can best do in this community to stop the war in
0: Cambodia. This is Eva again.
1: It deserves to live for four more days. Because, wow, I've never seen this community together before. Look at the people out here. We've got everybody in the campus out. Every type of person's been working on this?
0: When Eva was done talking, a professor took to the mic, condemning the war and decrying people who weren't in sympathy with students or with the strike. The statements made by the President and Vice President of the United States about the deaths at Kent State University reflect an appalling lack of sensitivity to the principles of a democratic society. Then, just a couple minutes after this professor references the killing of four Kent State students at the hands of National Guardsmen, something happens. An unconfirmed United Press International report has just come across announcing that Governor Richard Ogilvie has ordered National Guardsmen into armories on the campus of Northwestern University in Evanston. We have an actual...
1: Confirmation from the National I'm Guard a that a thousand more in the guardsmen and have been
0: activated. 500 of them have here. been sent into Evanston. The Guard is going to an off campus location somewhere in the city of Evanston.
1: There had been a rally, and I was sitting down in Scott Hall, and I can't, it must have been by, by phone, or maybe there was some kind of loudspeaker, but they said the National Guard is marching on Dyke Stadium. I believe students were going to be there as well. Just think about this, students had been shot dead by the National Guard at Kent State. So I was terrified. My big contact at the university was a man named Franklin I think the university really liked me because the school wasn't burning down. So I'm sure I got to him or maybe somebody else in the administration to say, do not have the National Guard go to Dyke Stadium. I don't know if Dyke Stadium still exists. And somehow the National Guard went somewhere else. That was a terrifying little stretch of time.
0: That night, Eva was at Dyke Stadium, now Ryan Field announcing the results of that day's vote on Deering Meadow. By a 6-to-1 margin, the university opted to keep the strike going. I actually have a bit of the audio from WNUR Are you giving that speech. Would you mind if I just...
1: Oh my god, God. yeah. Yeah. Because I had a Minnie Mouse voice at that time, so this will be fun (laughs) to hear. (laughs) The silent majority is not silent anymore. A lot of them are here. A lot of them are the labor people who are out striking. And think about how we're winning our country back. All
0: power to the people. Right on. That was just a little snippet
1: of it, but did you get that? I did. Oh my God. (laughs) All power to the people.
0: The scene on Evanston tonight is definitely a peaceful one. Let's hear some music about peace. That's not just one newscaster's observation. It seems to be what most of these strikers were trying to get at. The scene in Evanston was peaceful. Contrary to what many thought at the time, the goal wasn't to spark violence. It was to reframe the function of a university and of education itself in a time of crisis.
1: So we want to hear the other side,
0: at least most of us hear. This is WNUR's general manager.
1: And we're constantly learning, we're constantly growing. I say we as a collective we, and this is what we are trying to treat this strike as.
0: The following days were full of technicalities, about grades and course credit. But a few days later, the university would once again vote on whether to continue the strike. How do you think the vote will go? The National Guard, I've heard, is due to be called in and will forcefully open the university tomorrow morning if the lockout is is voted to continue. The Count Ava Jefferson is just reading it to a meeting in Harris 107. On May 12, 1970, Northwestern voted to end its strike. Uh, It's been a rainy night in Evanston. We hear more thunder in the background. We assume it's not artillery, uh, but, uh, well, it is not artillery. We're listening to each other, and this is one of the things that's come out of the strike, Mm -hmm. is that the strike is about communication, being able to tune yourself into what's happening on college campuses, being able to tune yourself into this anti-war movement and the movement against repression. But this isn't the end of the story.
1: I've just received a bulletin from our news facility. Ten students are locked inside Lunt Hall, headquarters for Northwestern's Naval ROTC, by security officers.
0: This is the first day after the strike, and it's hard to make sense of. I'm on kind of the northeast side of Lunt Hall, uh, where there are approximately, uh, I would say, 150 to 200 people gathered. And when we were down in there, we started moving stuff out. And they, uh, some of the officers of ROTC started hitting people. They dragged people down the ground, kicked them in the head. And that sort of incited us. There's a big hole down in Lund Hall's no wall, down in the basement, when a security kid pushed one of the people against the wall. More commotion broke out on campus that day, too. We're on the run now. It's a little hard to make out, but that's a WNUR reporter saying he's on the run. Outside of Shepherd Hall, Franklin Kreml, who Eva mentioned earlier, was talking to students. When they tried to stop him from leaving, security started pushing them around. And on Sheridan Road, a barricade that students had put up earlier on in the strike was removed. Protesters began forming a human barricade to replace it.
1: Policemen were around the area and kids were all around the area and then the policemen pushed him back to the sidewalks. They started letting the cars go through. I'm Joan Montgomery and I'm going back right now to see what else is going on.
0: On one hand, it makes no sense that chaos would erupt on campus after Northwestern held one of the nation's most peaceful student strikes. On the other hand, it makes total sense. Campus demonstrations were turning violent across the country. So maybe it was only a matter of time before violence largely perpetrated by police officers and campus security, found its way to Northwestern. And if there was one thing to expect from a college campus in the spring of 1970, it was a defiance of expectations. And so, I'm not sure what you remember of that day, but I guess if you do remember it, what were you making of it? Especially after the strike had ended so peacefully,
1: these are all incidents that are new to me. I do remember, of course, that Sheridan Road was reopened, but I don't recall how it happened. But those incidents, I don't recall.
0: I did get to
1: talk to Eva. Eva was very depressed about everything right now. She just said, don't do anything in
0: particular, but just stay around. She's uh, very, very low on things, and her emotions are just shot. Of these three episodes the incident with the vice president, the Sheridan Road barricade coming down, and the Lunt Hall demonstration. The Lunt Hall demonstration seemed to shake people the most. The next day, students and administrators met to discuss the university's response. One of the students who was at Lunt got up to speak.
1: I think we've all got a stake in what's going on with America. And I think we're being patriotic by standing up for what we believe. And I think Northwestern may be setting the trend for an academic revolution of understanding and communication in the United States and hopefully the world today. Thank you. When you're 21 years old, 20 years old, you're immortal. Nothing bothers you, you don't need sleep. I'm sure I was running on pure adrenaline because it was such a strange time. So I don't think you're conscious of that. It's only in retrospect that you go, Wait, I walked 30 miles in clogs and had blisters and then flew to Washington, D.C. because four students were killed and then came back to the university and people were trying to burn down a building and I persuaded them not to do that. And every day I worked board job, made toast, got on a motorcycle and then went to help lead 5,000 students, figure out how to peacefully protest the war. It's just what you do. Uh, it's just, you. And I don't know, how old are you? I, right now I'm twenty. So, you know, the world is your oyster. You just do what you do. You just keep moving ahead. It's just, you
0: respond to the moment. Thanks for listening. This episode was reported and produced by me, Christopher Vasquez. The audio editor is Molly Lubers. The digital managing editors are Kalen Luciano and Hina Srivastava. And the editor-in-chief of the Daily Northwestern is Marissa Martinez. Special thanks as well to Bill Healy for guidance on this story and to Kevin Leonard, Sharla Wilson, and everyone else at the University Archives, where I got a lot of the audio you heard on today's episode.